This is Enjoy Cherokee Voices, a podcast recorded live to deliver in-depth conversations with dynamic people from all corners of Cherokee County. Listeners like you sink into this weekly podcast to learn more about the people that make Cherokee County extraordinary. And now it's time to get to know another neighbor. Here's your host, Jody Drinker. Katie? Jody. We have a very exciting guest in here today. We do. Diane Keen. Awesome. I know. I know. Actually, you introduced me to her, so yeah. that wasn't so surprising to you. Right. But anyway, Diane Keene has a doctorate of nursing science from Kennesaw State University. She has been an RN at a hospital. She's now an assistant professor in nursing at KSU. She's a wife. She's been a wife for 37 years. She's also a mother of three. And you've met her son, Hayden. I have. I met him at the grand opening of the Circle of Friends coffee shop, which we covered for the May-June issue of Enjoy Cherokee magazine. Um, I met him. He works at the coffee shop because he has a developmental disability. And it's a great opportunity for young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities to have supportive employment, which is kind of the whole purpose of Circle of Friends Coffee Shop. And there's a really great article on our website, enjoycherokee.com. Very good. And now, without further ado, we're going to meet Diane Keene. Awesome. Can't wait. Hello, hello. And here we are. I'm here today with Diane Keene. How are you, Diane? I am great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Diane, I understand you're a professor. I am. Yeah. Of nursing. You teach nursing. I do. I love my job. Are you also a researcher? Yes, I am. Where are you from? I am from Michigan. I grew up in Plymouth and Northville. It's kind of a suburb of Detroit. And I love Michigan, but my husband and his business brought us down here to Atlanta, and I love Cherokee County as well. So you met your husband in in Mich- Michigan? I did, yes. What kind of business is he in that, that brought him down here? So he is an accountant, but when he came down here, he came down here to join his father, who was a financial planner. Shortly after we moved here, he actually went back to school to Kennesaw State University. Woohoo! Yay! Go Owls! Yes, go Owls. I'm also a KSU alum. And that's where I teach nursing. So we are a KSU family. You, do you have like a monument on your front yard to KSU? No, but we a wing. Should. You should have yeah. a wing in the nursing we division should. or something. Yes. Great. So, okay. So you got your degree in nursing. I did. From KSU. From KSU. And were you an RN right away or? Yes. So um, I got my degree in 2008 and then you sit for the NCLEX, the boards. And I did that in 2009 mm-hmm. and um, was an RN and. Went back to school. I I, st- I did work in the hospital for a short period. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I realized that wasn't really the best fit for my family. So I um, left the hospital and worked in home health care. I love working with older adults and I got to spend more time with them on a one-on-one basis with the uh, patient and their family. And I started my interest in aging in place when I was a home health care nurse. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's- Great. That's a great field. Yes, yes. Yes. You met your husband in Michigan. When did you get married? 37 years ago? Yeah, we had an anniversary. Yes, two days ago. We are yeah. very happily married. I was a teenager, I must say. I was very young when we got married. Yeah? Yeah. And when you were getting married, did you talk about having a large family or you were going to have babies? What was? The, what's the story there? We did talk about it because we did premarital counseling and we both expected to have children without a doubt. 
We didn't really talk about large family or small family, though, Mm -hmm. but we knew that we would have kids at some point. And you have how many children? Three. Mm -hmm. And names? So um, Hayden is our oldest, and then Haley is next, and Victoria is our youngest. Two girls. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Hayden came along when in your marriage, like shortly after you were married or? No. So this is kind of a long story. I don't know. You want? <laughs> okay. Well, let's see what you got. Let's hear it. Our kids are all adopted. Um, mm-hmm. We, as soon as Glenn graduated from Kennesaw State, we immediately tried to have children, and and we just didn't get pregnant. And um, there was never really a diagnosis of why we weren't getting pregnant, except I believe personally that it was in God's plan, and He had these beautiful children for us waiting to adopt. So um, we actually adopted Haley first. She was born here in Georgia. So so after we had Haley seven months, we were on the waiting list to go to Romania. And um, when Haley came about, she was a surprise. And after we had her seven months, we went to travel to Romania to bring Hayden home. At that time, he was 27 months old and he was in an orphanage. He had been there since he was discharged from the hospital at about three weeks old. Really? So, and he, okay, so he was in an orphanage, 27, Mm -hmm. did you say how many, how months? 27 27 months months old. old. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that's he's a full-fledged toddler now oh yes yes okay yeah and They're, how did you went there knowing you were going to get Hayden yes and how, how did you make that decision or how did you choose that person prior to Haley's adoption we had a failed adoption that was heartbreaking and um we decided after losing our first adopted son that we went to an agency and we saw a video of the children in Romania and it was immediate. My husband said, let's do it. And I said, well, I think we need to talk about this. And he said, what do we need to talk about? There's 100,000 kids waiting for parents over there. 100,000. There were that many children in the orphanage at that time. It was 1994, 93. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They're no longer that number of children in the orphanage. But at that point, that's, you know, communism had just fallen in 89. Ceausescu was the leader of dictator of Romania. He was executed the end of 89. And um, the borders were open to Western news, media, and videos were then shared with the rest of the world. And people flocked from all over the world to try and help these children. So you went right away. You and your husband got on a plane and went over there. Well, it wasn't quite that easy. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was um, a year of paperwork and um, gathering the funds and yeah. It was definitely not that easy. And did you have a picture of him? You knew which child? Did. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Haley, we adopted Haley in July. And then in August, we got Hayden's picture. And he was cute. And he looked a little chunky and had kind of long curly hair. And he was beautiful. Okay. So now you have this picture of Hayden. Go through all the paperwork. You, you're getting ready to go. Mm-hmm. And you get on a plane. Mm-hmm. And you land in Romania. What happens? Do you get do you get a hotel or, I mean, oh, nothing. So it was an experience I was not ready for. Oh. I yeah, I had only been at that point to Canada outside the United States because, you know, from Michigan it's just a short drive across the bridge to Windsor. So yeah, that was the extent of my international travel. So when we landed in um, Bucharest, the um, runway was lined with armed guards, machine guns, Mm. and the airport was very small. 
the economy, you know, was they were still struggling financially. Right. So as we left the airport, there were lots of taxi drivers ready to offer a ride to us. And it was, it was just, did you different. know what to do? Were you told what, how to act? Were you saying, they said, don't get a taxi driver or. So we had a driver come for us. So um, we went through an adoption agency in Tennessee and we were the first family to go to Romania through them. And we went alone. Usually they have groups go together, but um, something with the immigration department was getting ready to expire and we had to go. Mm-hmm. So we went alone. Our attorney over there had his son pick us up at the airport, but we had to like get through the sea of people to get to the attorney's son. And then he took us to a hotel. We had reservations already. And it was very opulent in probably the 50s. And then it really hadn't changed. So we felt like we were in a movie Oh wow! from the 50s. It was very interesting. So then you go to the orphanage? Yeah. So that was an eight-hour train ride from Bucharest to Arad. And we did go inside the orphanage, but we didn't actually see where the children stayed. We we were taken to an office where um, the medical director and then my husband and I, and our attorney wasn't able to travel with us, so he had another official come with us. They, mm-hmm. So we were escorted everywhere, and we had an interpreter with us wherever we went. Okay, so you're sitting in this office. Yes. And you have that picture of Hayden. Mm-hmm. And just like that, somebody goes and... And brings him to us. It was just that... Tell me what that was like. What was that feeling when that baby walked in? Or that he, toddler. Yeah, he was um, a little over two. Was he walking? He was, well, yes, but not easily. Mm-hmm. So um, he really hadn't been out of a crib much at all. So if you can imagine it, two years and three months old. Um, he had a cute little pot belly. We thought he was a little chunky, but later we found out it was because he had parasites. He had oh. long, beautiful long curly hair, but then um, as, as he sat on my lap, it smelled like straw. His hair was like, it smelled like it had been burnt from malnutrition. Um, oh my goodness. And then his little legs didn't bend, so he, was, he walked kind of peg-legged because he just didn't walk. You know, he just wasn't out of the crib very often. Um, I don't think at that point they had a playground at the orphanage. I'm not certain. We didn't see it at that Mm -hmm. point, but I don't think so. It was like a four-story building in an old city, beautiful, beautiful old city and beautiful building. Not what you would expect for, you know, a child Mm -hmm. to live. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So you, now you have this child and did you have to stay in that office a long time or were you able to take them and go? So um, we went through some paperwork and um, our attorney's wife also traveled with us. Rodika was her name. And she was very motherly and and helped with some advice. And when we left, because Hayden didn't speak, he didn't speak English or Romanian. He just didn't have any language at that point. So when we left, a woman was approaching us as we left the building and she started crying and she took Hayden and hugged him and, and it made me makes me cry now thinking that, you know, these um, caregivers, they love these children. Mm -hmm. And, and unfortunately, there were, at best, 25 children per one caregiver in these orphanages. So, you know, if you couldn't hold your own bottle, then you didn't eat because nobody could sit there and feed 25 people. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But they still loved them. I know they loved him. They were good people. 
the people of Romania are really wonderful people. They were in just a very bad position. Communism, as we know, is um, is not good for life. Right. And yeah, and so um, I think the economy is much better now, and we're going to go back in a year. We were planning on going back this past May, but then COVID stopped that. So. On that note, let's take a little break and we'll be back with more from Diane Keene. Knee pain is something we all have experience with. The team at Georgia Medical Treatment Center is here to help. They offer drug and surgery-free treatment plans that treat the most common sources of knee pain. They also accept most insurance plans, including Medicare and Medicaid. For a free consultation or for more information, visit them online at georgiamtc.com slash knee pain. Don't live with knee pain. Beat it. With help from our friends at Georgia Medical Treatment Center. And we're back. This is Enjoy Cherokee Voices. I'm Jody Drinkard, your host, and I'm here with Diane Keene. So you're walking out the door. This woman gives a loving hug to Hayden, and you you walk out mm-hmm. with your new son. Yes. And you take him where? To the hotel, or did you go so, to the park, or what did you do? We get in a um, taxi cab, and their, their transportation is much different than here. Mm-hmm. An old car with a lot of people in it. And uh, I don't know that Hayden had been away from the orphanage, so he was overwhelmed by the cars and the noise and the lights and the people. And so he was visibly upset, not really crying, but... um, Agitated? Yeah, yeah. And we went back to a hotel, which our hotel was really beautiful. It was in Arad and probably built in the 40s, and it was also very opulent. Um, And we went to our room and we went to change his diaper. And this is when I first realized kind of his situation. Um, I took his diaper off and he had a silent scream where he was crying, but with no noise. Crying with no tears, but no noise. And not really tears, but a a sense of extreme discomfort and, um, his bottom was hit calluses and with one caregiver for 25 children, they might've gotten their diapers changed twice a day. Right. And so um, that area was sore mm-hmm. and permeated with urine. And he had this smell of urine that I couldn't wash off. And it, at that point I realized, Oh my, and you know, we were young and there were, hadn't been a lot of children adopted from Romania. So, we didn't know very much about what institutionalization would do to these children. Mm-hmm. And personally, we didn't know anything. We were just young and naive parents who were desperate to have children. And yeah, mm. and we were the first to go through our agency, so they didn't know very much either. So what did you do? You're take, did you bring diapers with you? Oh, yes, yes. So disposable or did you take mm-hmm. a room? Okay. Yeah. So did he have a disposable diaper on? Yes, yes. So you took that off. Cleaned him you're up. You're realizing this, is, this poor child is in pain. Yeah. But no noise coming out of his mouth. Like yeah, that. which is shocking as uh, you haven't met him, but he makes a lot of noise now. <laughs> <laughs> he, he left there with no language and by age six, we couldn't stop him from talking. So, Well, um, he had a lot of making up to do. He did, yes. Okay, so you changed his diapers and... Did you give him a bath right away? I did, yes, because I thought, you know, because of the odor, I thought, okay, this little boy needs a bath. And so mm-hmm. we did that, and it did not help. 
Um, we have pictures of him in the tub with, he just kept squirting the shampoo and the bubbles were about coming over the tub and he loved it and yeah. it was great fun. And, and then when he was done, we dried him off and it was still the same smell. And I realized just must've been deep in his skin. Right. We got dressed and we left the hotel that very same day and went back to the um, train station. We got McDonald's, which oh. was fun. So that there was a McDonald's in the train station and he was thrilled to have a little hamburger in a, you know, wrapped in paper. And he had never experienced, all of this was all new to him. I don't think he had ever been out of the orphanage. So that is absolutely mind blowing. It is. But yeah. Yes. Yes. So he did, probably didn't even know what McDonald's was. Oh, absolutely. But not. you did. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So you take him out to his first restaurant was McDonald's. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then get on the train. And he ate well. He was a good eater. Oh, gosh, yes. He would Mm -hmm. eat anything, everything. He was starving. Uh, So the pot belly, we thought, oh, my gosh, he's a little chunky. But it was from parasites. So he wasn't chunky. What does that mean exactly? He had like um, intestinal worms, you know. So it was devouring his nutrition and then leaving gas, basically, which distended his abdominal area. And so it looked like he was a little bit fat, but he really wasn't. So the, so this was diagnosed then when you brought him home? Yes, yes. You took him right to a doctor? Um, within a couple of weeks, yes. Mm-hmm. And they do a... Uh, at that point, there was a lot of assessment items that were missed with him when we first brought him home because... We don't measure somebody's head circumference at two and a half. Mm-hmm. We do that when they're babies and watch them grow. If we had measured his head circumference at his first visit with his pediatrician, we would have known he had microencephaly, which is his head size was below the fifth percentile. A child that has a smaller head. Mm-hmm. Explain that again to me. So they're at risk for um, intellectual disabilities. And, okay. and it's just a matter of his growth and development. And we watch that in children, in babies. You know, they always measure a baby's head when they're born and then as they grow. But by two, they kind of stop that. So when Hayden first went to the pediatrician at 27 months old, it wasn't done. It wasn't done here until he was five Mm -hmm. when we realized that he had some developmental issues and we saw a specialist. When did... Uh, was that the first sign that he had developmental mm. disabilities or no can we talk about when it when you first started noticing i know the parasites that's yeah. a physical thing you mm-hmm. were able to take care of that mm-hmm. the cry kind of lingers in my mind like is that something beyond uh, it lingers in my mind today still yeah. yes i can still see his little face and think i think it was because you know they could make noise but nobody would come Right. So what was the point of, of crying? But that wasn't a disability thing. No. Uh-uh. Okay. No. But when was it that you started say seeing that there was something a little different here? There's When he came home, um, the, tra- the plane ride from Romania, that was extremely difficult. He screamed for 12 hours on the airplane. I really pitied anybody who sat near us. There was nothing we could do to console him. And um, my husband and I were, we gave him candy, which, Mm -hmm. you know, we said, whatever we have to do, we'll be good parents tomorrow when we get (laughs) home, but we need to keep this child quiet. So, and nothing appeased him at all. No, we arrived in the United, in in Atlanta um, after 20 hours of traveling from Romania. 
And um, we had friends at the airport, big sign. My my sister and um, sister-in-law had kept Haley, because remember, I left a seven-month-old at home. Yeah. That was very difficult. And we got home, and that first night, we, we put him to bed in his room. We heard this terrible noise of, like, it was just banging on the wall. And so we went in and found him, like, on all fours, smashing his head against the wall. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'll never forget that. Popping his head against the wall. Yeah. Hard? Hard. <gasps> Hard. What? Yes. So um, the only way I can explain it or the way I've understood it is when these children are in the orphanage and they're in a crib, they desire contact, touch, feel. Attention. Yes. And so if they're not receiving any physical input, then they try and create it themselves. And so he started that night banging his head on the wall, but he did a lot of the rocking that you've seen with mm-hmm. children who um, might have autism. He bit himself. He bit his arms. He bit me. He, life was hard. He was very uncomfortable with everything. Mm-hmm. Couldn't sleep. He could not go to sleep. It was a couple of days, and he, had never, he hadn't had a nap. I don't know if he had slept. I would sit in his room trying to help him be more comfortable because, mm-hmm. you know, he was in a room with probably 50 kids and all of a sudden he's in a room by himself. That yeah. can't be comfortable. But one day, I'll never forget, he fell asleep in a laundry basket and Aww. it was a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's adorable. Well, and then that's kind of like a crib. Yes. Like, you know, I mean. Yes, yes, yes. Good. Yes, it is. So he was confined like he had yeah. been accustomed and to. Interesting. I'm, yeah. And then the first morning we wake up and we're excited for Hayden. We're excited for the day to see, you know, we, my husband had built a playground in the back of like a swing set. Mm-hmm. Um, we had breakfast and went outside and, and when he got down in the grass, cause the night before it was late, like we hadn't been mm-hmm. outside playing just in and out of cars and transportation and stuff. But when we went out in the, out in the backyard, we thought he'd be thrilled, but he was really scared. Uh huh. So he was scared of the grass. He was scared. He was just scared of the open space. It just was not f- comfortable. So we thought it would be, you know, oh, we're going to swing and play and go down the slide. And no, that wasn't what our first day was like. No. It was just oh, scary for him. Right. Oh. Yeah. So then, okay. So how long did that last? The whole day? He didn't want to be out there the whole day? Or, did, you know, did it take weeks before he really wanted to go outside? Or I think it took every, every new. Um, experience was challenging, but then, but then he would get over it. He wound up loving outside, and um, the first trip to the grocery store, he just started screaming mm-hmm. because we're in the produce aisle, and there's all the food that you could ever dream of, mm-hmm. and he just started literally screaming. I had to leave. I called. I had to leave. I, I just didn't. I couldn't stop him from screaming. He was beyond thrilled to see all this food. It <laughs> overwhelmed him. <laughs> Isn't that something else? Boy, you just don't even... You just would never dream of it. No. And we're going to take a little break. We'll be back with more from Diane Keene in just a moment. This show is made possible by Mountain Education Charter High School. Graduating students and building better futures in Cherokee County and all across North Georgia. Visit MyMEC.org. That's MyMEC.org for Mountain Education Charter High School. Welcome back. I'm Jody Drinker and I'm here with Diane Keene. I'm just curious, when did Hayden really start to talk? Um, Hayden started with the early intervention program 
when he turned three. So that was the following November. Um, at that point, he had maybe 10 words. Uh, he would call me dad. Everybody was daddy, me and, and my husband. We were both daddy. The color he knew was blue-purple. Everything was blue-purple. When he turned three, he was eligible for this early intervention program through the, through the Forsyth County Schools. And they did an assessment, and um, you know his speech was very delayed, and uh, he had physical um, deficits, and and he so he needed physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, and they offered all of that through the school system. I think when they first assessed him, he was at the developmental level of about an eighteen-month-old with language. That was at three, and then. Um, he really progressed well. He's, he's a talker, so he never stops talking now. So he definitely learned language well. Mm-hmm. But when you learn language so late in life, which, I mean, three doesn't seem late, but it is in the brain development, his expressive language is really high, but his receptive is low. And so when you meet him, he appears to understand more than he might. And so sometimes we have to offer a little grace and when you can't tell that, then you might not offer grace to someone like Hayden, and um, he might not really understand what he's being asked to do. And and that but was, I will get the impression he does understand it. Is oh, that right? Without a doubt. Oh yes, he's very confident. Okay, yes. and very handsome, and um, yeah, charismatic. Yeah. So but then, but but then he might need a little extra help, and it was kind of like that throughout school. So he had he had mobility issues. Still oh, yes. with a, pe- you mentioned peg leg kind of thing. Yeah. Was that something that continued when you got back home? Yes. Um, yeah. So when initially he couldn't even pull himself up on the couch, he had no muscle tone. He didn't bend his knees. So walking was hard. He never crawled. So, you know, mm. think about brain development. We know that all of that movement is really important for brain development. So he had never had any of that. We wound up uh, finding children's therapy works. And I started working with, her name was Shelly. She was an occupational therapist who was really um, at the head of uh, sensory integration therapy, which now it's a common word. We all know it. But back then we did not. Mm-hmm. When um, they talked about proprioceptive input, I didn't even know what that meant. What does it mean? I know. So, <laughs> you know, it means that when you're in a crib and you have no input, your body just craves some input. So like his banging his head on the wall, mm-hmm. he was stimulating himself through this proprioceptive input. Um, Shelly would spin him. A lot of times they'll hang a, a swing from the ceiling. And where if you or I were spun like this, we would be dizzy within a minute. He right. could spin for 20 minutes and not get dizzy. So he didn't understand his place in the world physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was in school, he literally would bang himself up against the wall. And it was like he'd be walking, and it wasn't like he was trying to harm himself. He was just feeling, you know, this pressure against the wall. And he would, it was almost like play. But his body was saying, I need some input. And so he would walk and, you know, hit on the wall and walk and bang on the wall. And So is this autism? Well, he was diagnosed with autism, yes. But that came a little later. Dr. Federici is a... Um, physician who adopted quite a few children. I think it was five or six uh, from Romanian and Russian orphanages. And Dr. Federici, I believe, was a neurologist. And he, 
coined the term institutional autism because this kind of behavior was typical of children coming out of post-institutionalization, they would call it. So so this is nurture versus nature type of autism. Yes, yes. And when I have never heard of this. Mm, well, we had had a meeting with all of the teachers at school. It was an IEP. And, and they said, we know we told you we thought he was just developmentally delayed, but we think you should have him tested for a neurological disorder. And at that point, I was not a nurse. I was just a mom. I didn't even really know what that meant, except it sounded a lot worse than a mm-hmm. developmental delay. I started looking for an appropriate medical facility to have him evaluated. And of course, the Marcus Center is the best mm-hmm. in the Southeast. And they had just started this international adoption clinic. So we were very, very, very fortunate to be able to have Hayden adopt. Um, assessed through this clinic and um, the doctor it's at that point when his head was first measured the circumference of his head mm. and they did an MRI and uh, he had some right front frontal lobe differences I guess it wasn't a tumor but it was um, a difference on the MRI and so you know that's where a lot of our self-control and impulse control rem- lies is mm-hmm. in our frontal lobe so that explained why Hayden was um, very, very, very impulsive and um, extremely rambunctious. We said he was like the Tasmanian devil. Like mm-hmm. literally he'd come into a room and spin everything into a giant mess. Mm-hmm. He would take a box of um, Legos and dump it, take the next thing and, and dump it. He couldn't sit still. He just couldn't sit still at all. I would, if this was happening to me, I would think I would be in tears. It was a challenge, I will say mm-hmm. without a doubt. It was an extreme challenge. I was ex- so happy and grateful for his time in school because it gave me time with Haley because mm-hmm. all this time I have an infant and um, and so she needed attention too. So um, oh. when he was in school, then Haley and I would do our thing and, and then he'd come home and and we'd have fun. We spent a lot of time outside because he needed that. He loved the playground or the um, sandbox. That was great because he's feeling sand and it's a lot of proprioceptive input for his senses. Mm-hmm. He loved banging on trees. I mean, so, you know, sometimes children with autism will have kind of a preoccupation. Initially, we saw children spinning plates. Well, Hayden banged on things. He would take whatever he had in his hand. It could be um, a hairbrush or a toothbrush or a stick, and he would bang on everything around him. And so it would make noise and it also gave him input. So mm-hmm. playing outside was awesome because he could bang on everything. And we had a great backyard. He he could climb trees and bang on trees and throw rocks and get in the sandbox. And So yeah, that I can see your heart was torn too. Like you got to spend, you know, you want to spend yes. time with your baby, Haley. And yeah, so it's a, it's a balancing act as a parent, huh? It is. I think it, it's like that for anybody who has a family and they have a child who has additional needs. You know, we learn as we go as moms. We don't know what we're doing with any kid, right? Okay. And now he's how old? 28. 28. Yeah. Ooh. It's crazy to think about him at three, but yeah, he's 28, a full grown adult. And he went through all, he, he went through all of his uh, kindergarten through 12th, 12th grade, grade yeah. here in Cherokee County. He did 
developmentally delayed kindergarten in Forsyth County. Mm-hmm. And then that's the year we moved to Cherokee. And, um, and so he repeated kindergarten. And he went into a mainstream classroom with a full-time parapro. And okay. kudos to Cherokee County for doing that because it set his life up on the right track. He was challenging in school, but he wasn't a behavior disorder. He was just noisy because he would continue to bang his, his yeah. pencil on the table. And uh, at that time, his parapro would just gently take his hand and, and either hold the pencil or put the pencil away so that it wasn't distracting to the rest of the community. And um, he did really well. He had the best teachers in the world. I love his teachers. So the parapro, was that something that the school provided or is that something you had to buy out of your own pocket? No, the school provided, yeah. Fantastic, right? Yes, yes. it is amazing. I know a lot of people struggle with um, getting the appropriate services for their children, but uh, we did not struggle. I will say that Hayden's uh, evaluation from the Marcus Center, I'm sure, was very helpful because, you know, they're the premier center in in Atlanta, and so we had a very in-depth psychoeducational evaluation that went into detail on the supports that he needed for success and they offered them and i'm sure they also said these are the things you are due as a citizen of this community is that right i mean um, did, did they tell you that you know what you should be able to get a pair of pro oh yes the market part Center. of the yeah yes they helped you with all of these services to yes. make sure you were knowledgeable on what you should ask for yes okay yeah. great yeah but Wonderful. our meeting was um uh, when we had our first iep in cherokee county it was not a fight. I mean, it was offered. This is this is what we think would be best for Hayden. And it was exactly what we wanted. That is tremendous. It is I tremendous. mean, that is really big kudos to the Cherokee County School District, for Ab- sure. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. All right, Diane, I just want to set the record straight here. Hayden has a disability. And can you tell us exactly what it is and what that means? Okay, Um, so the diagnosis that he has is on the autism spectrum. It's considered a developmental disability. That means it started before the year of 18 and it's expected to live a life, last a lifetime. Um, What it means is that he struggles sometimes with um, socialization, with uh, the general um, life skills, with managing his money with driving. I understand he has a job. He does. It's the best job in the world. Well, we're talking, of course, about... Circle of Friends. The coffee shop. Yay. Coffee with a purpose. Yes. And you are co-founder of that. Is that right? I am. Tell us about the inception of this idea. So I have to give credit to our youth group. So um, when we were in Cherokee County and uh, we visited Hickory Flat United Methodist Church, Hayden was in seventh grade. At this point, he still had hardly ever been away from me. You know, I said I couldn't leave Mm -hmm. him at preschool. Well, still, there were nobody, no babysitters. So um, we go to church. It was our first time there. Nick Yother was the assistant youth pastor. He was still like young, 20-something. And he knew Hayden from after school program at Mountain Road. And so he was like, hey, Hayden. And um, the pastor there had a child in Hayden's grade. And um, much to my chagrin, hers and Andoni had been a chaperone on a field trip with Hayden. 
And so he, he hasn't got to see all of Hayden. And uh, my daughter Haley told me, because they were in the same grade growing up, she came home and said, he embarrassed our whole school. Oh, he no. went up on stage when Mr. Goodbody asked if anybody could do something amazing with their body, and he made armpit noises. So <laughs> this was with hers and Andoni, who was the pastor of Hickory Flat. So when our first visit ended, Herson came out to say hi, and he did the, the fingers in the eye and then pointed at Hayden and said, I know you, and I was horrified. <laughs> um, but it was all fun. And then during that same conversation, Craig Shearer came up, and he was the youth pastor, and he put his... I am so emotional about this because it was such a blessing in our life. Mm -hmm. But he put his arm around Hayden and said, hey you got to come to youth group tonight. And I said, oh, you don't understand. He needs extra help. I can't just bring him and drop him off. That would not work. And I was just making every excuse in the world. And Craig said, why do, why do moms always do this to us guys? Come on, I got this. And he was serious. And um, that changed our life. And oh. so, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> He changed our life because he gave us Thanks, well. um, a normalcy for Hayden where he could have friends at, you know, outside of school. The school district was awesome, but outside of school, Hayden was hard. You know, It was hard to have him over to play. You really couldn't because he'd just basically turn your house upside down. Um, but Craig was committed to making it work for him. And so Hayden went to youth group. Craig brought in more adult support. Whenever they went on a, min a mission trip, or um, a field trip, or whatever it might be, Craig had either a typical peer, usually a little bit older, or an older adult, who was there, like, shadowing Hayden, making sure Hayden okay. could do whatever he wanted to do. Oh, my goodness. It and was, mission trips. Oh, gosh, yeah. We went to, and so then my husband and I became really active, too, because we loved Craig, and we loved just the whole group. For quite a few years, we went to um, Leslie County, Kentucky, it's in the Appalachian Mountains, the poorest area mm -hmm. in this in the southeast, maybe the whole United States. And we would do things like um, re-roof houses, build wheelchair ramps, um, hold vac vacation Bible school, different things like that. But, you know, that it, it did matter. We did a lot of construction. Well, they did a lot of construction. I was first aid. Um, but... It didn't matter what they were doing because they were having fun. And it was our men's group, so mm -hmm. very talented men, who um, construction-wise, who would then mentor these younger people. And that's what started Circle of Friends. So we did that until Hayden was about 20 because when you um, graduate high school, then you can't be in the youth group anymore. And, you know, it's like you fall off a cliff, there's, and, and anybody who's got a child with a disability knows that cliff. Yeah. They know it's coming or they're falling off of it. But um, Meaning that when school ends, when they graduate from high school, the support it's net done. has fallen. Yeah, you're done. Away. You're done. There's really very little support in the community. You know, 40 years ago, they closed down all the institutions for people with developmental disabilities and mental health issues as they should have. I totally support that. But when they closed them, they didn't really set up the support outside in the community. And so here we are still 40 years later trying to work our way through. We have some day programs in Cherokee County 
Um, we have maybe some group homes. So the circle of friends started forming. And then at that point, we were talking about, we had some land, Hickory Flat, United Methodist had some land in Hickory Flat. We were trying to think of what we could do with that land. And we started talking about the idea of creating an assisted living with cottages around it so that our young adults, um, adults with developmental disabilities could live on site and interact with the residents. That came from um, my sister's mother-in-law had Alzheimer's and she was in a memory care facility. And we would go visit and Hayden would sit down and talk to the residents and be so thrilled to hear their stories about World War II. That was another one of his preoccupations. He knew about all the battles and he mm-hmm. knew about he knew about it a lot, which I, I didn't have any idea. Anyway, one of the residents that he spoke to was a fighter pilot and he was telling Hayden his stories and Hayden was thrilled. And oh then my Hayden knew questions to ask that were about these particular battles, which I didn't know anything about. But anyway, they had this conversation back and forth that was wonderful for both of them. And at that point that hit me that, oh wow, look at this. Like both of them are engaged. It's really good for both parties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then um, when I was in school for my doctoral program, which you mentioned I'm mm-hmm. a researcher. So my research was on intergenerational relationships. and Intergenerational relationships. That's exactly what yes. Hayden was that's what he needed. sparking off your, yes. was this your PhD? Or? Yes. Well, yeah. it's a doctorate in nursing science, but it's the equivalent of a PhD. Yes. No so, kidding. So what did you, you did research. What did you find out? So it doesn't sound very nursey, but you know, social isolation and loneliness, like we're all feeling post-COVID, um, it's very real for our, our young adults who have fallen off of that cliff. They sit at home on the couch, play video games. They're lonely and isolated, and it's devastating. And many of our older adults experience the same thing. So my research was on enhancing the well-being of young adults with developmental disabilities and older adults through interaction. And in this case, we worked in a community garden at um, Hickory Flat United Methodist. You mean an actual garden, not a place called the mm-hmm. garden? It was- nope. It was a garden that an Eagle Scout had um, constructed eight raised beds. And um, we had a community advisory board. So this research is called participatory action research. So you bring people together from the community mm-hmm. and um, you ask them to say, you know, what are some of the things that we might need to address? And then how do you think we should do that? And so we had several adults from our church who helped several of our young adults plant this garden. And we had really a beautiful garden. Hayden um, planted 36 apple trees. And wow, there was like a pattern they were supposed to go in for. Um, see, like I say, I'm not a gardener, but um, it was best if they were planted in a certain order so that the pollinators would go from one to another. And yeah, who knows? There's science and everything is in there. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness, okay. So Hayden would dig the hole, and then there was a gentleman from our church who had Alzheimer's, and he would tell Hayden, okay, you got to do this and do this. And and then he'd say, now, we're not supposed to put the tree in there yet. I'm not exactly sure why, but let's go dig the next hole. So he would help Hayden, even though he did have some memory issues at the time. He'd say, we got to wait for Craig to tell us. And it was because of the order. Mm -hmm. Craig was going to get the map of where the trees were supposed to go. Here we had an adult who had Alzheimer's and a young adult with a developmental disability working together who planted all these trees, but it was beautiful. 
Right. Yeah. It was beautiful. So um, my research is qualitative, so it's interviews. And what I found was to enhance their well-being, they need purpose, right? Mm-hmm. As people age, their well-being often will diminish because their roles diminish. You know, their children grow up and move out. They retire. Their activities lessen. Mm-hmm. And for those that continue with volunteer activities, their meaning and purpose remains high. And so um, I knew that from the existing research that volunteerism will ha- improve well-being. And our young adults, um, they experience this isolation and loneliness. They need friends. They need people in their lives. They, they don't have the same accessibility to a sense of achievement that the rest of us might have through employment or other activities we're able to do independently. And they told me that when I did the interviews, it was very clear that, that the sense of achievement that they had in the garden was mm-hmm. really awesome. They felt great. They were able to do some physical labor, but then they also saw something growing as the result of what they had done. coffee shop really came out of this dissertation research and then we had a town hall at Hickory Flat United Methodist Church in 2019 and we invited families with children with um, adult children so adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities and other community members and um, we had four panelists speak Hayden was one he's really an excellent presenter and um, engaging and so these four panelists spoke and then we had the community members complete a survey that said what services are you currently using what services do you think we need in Cherokee County and what else do we need to know and after I analyzed the surveys it was very clear the needs are social opportunities socialization supportive employment different than what our young adults have seen because many have tried employment and and not been considered successful. And then uh, supportive, affordable housing. And so it was out of that town hall that Circle of Friends was born. We have the Circle of Friends coffee shop at at the Circuit in downtown Woodstock, which is attached to Chattahoochee Tech. It is, yes. Is that the only place that you have um, really up and running so far? Employment. Yeah, the first of them. It was last fall that one of our parents saw something in the newspaper that Alma Coffee, which is, you know, local um, Cherokee County coffee roaster, was not going to reopen in the circuit. And there was a request for proposals. So we wrote a proposal for Circle of Friends to manage the coffee shop. We didn't really know what we were doing with coffee, yeah, <laughs> but but we knew we could figure it out. We were granted this coffee shop, which I'm very grateful. It was the Cherokee Office of Economic Development is in partnership with Chattahoochee Tech and the circuit. And they chose us. And I'm super grateful they did because it's given us a platform to share our story. And it's given us the opportunity for our young adults to show the community how able they are. So how many people are employed there? Well, um, we have a a cafe manager we started with 13. We interviewed 13. They're all amazing. We hired everyone. We had to stop interviewing because we would hire. You would we, hire yeah. <laughs> we had to hire everyone. That's great. Um, and they're a vari- they have a variety of abilities. And so they started out, you know, in um, as a cashier or a 
barista. We had one young man who was a greeter. He uses a wheelchair. He's now able to be cashier. He's doing remarkable things. Um, one of our young adults has left us because he's got full-time employment. Really? Yes. What yes. type of job did that um, it's turn a, out to be? It's a warehouse type situation. He moved out of his parents' house. He's in his 40s. So he's um, able to be out on his own, living on yeah, his own. Yeah. He's an adult with low support needs. I hope, he hasn't told me this, but I hope that his um, time at, at Circle of Friends Coffee Shop gave him the confidence he needed to go to the next I step. I can't imagine the amount of confidence that this gives these young adults. And, and when are, you walk in there, oh, it's they're awesome. all like, is she going to buy coffee? Is she, yes. gonna, is she coming over here? Because they're all very excited to be a part of your life. Oh, they are. You know, they want to make an impact on you. Yes. I have not met Hayden. Oh, well, you so have to come for I coffee. Know, I'm going to have to yes. seek him out. But how many hours a week does he work there? So um, we have three-hour shifts. Hayden uh, was working four shifts a week. Mm-hmm. He's working now three. And then we have 36 volunteers. So for every every shift... We have a volunteer. Okay. And usually it's an older adult. So it's that intergenerational piece where many of them are retired. Two of them are Hayden's former teachers, first and second grade. So yeah, to really have true inclusion, it doesn't just happen. Mm -hmm. We have to work at it. Well, what's the next step? Are you going to be able to get some uh, living places for them to have affordable living and... We are. So I am going this afternoon to um, Community Block Development Grant Workshop. And um, we have a a, um, supportive housing committee. I have literally worked on this for about eight years. We've been to several different conferences with Generations United. It's very important to us that we don't segregate our adults with disabilities. When we do that, we just create these monstrous institutions, right? Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. We are working on a community that will include people with disabilities, older adults, and then neurotypical peers. And neurotypical peers, just oh. like friends in school, it could be oh. it could be police officers and um, EMT, could be nursing students. So folks who could be active in the community and possibly su- provide some natural support. Um, this is a big undertaking for it you is a and big the undertaking. Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> but I think you can do it. Oh, I, I know we will. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I, I, it's going to be a challenge, and, and we're still incomplete. We need some other specialties to join us, but, um, but we're on our way. Good deal. Yes. Well, I want to thank you for coming in. Um, I just, I've learned so much today. You've been very open and honest with me and the whole community, so we thank you for that. Oh, we look you. forward to drinking lots of coffee. Yes. Alma coffee. It's at, the best. At at Circle of Friends. Stay tuned. We are going to do quickie questions. Are you ready for this? Yes. You, do you know about quickie questions? I don't. It's rapid fire. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Get ready. Okay. We'll be back after this. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Medicare. What a headache. Where do I sign up? When's the enrollment period? 
Who can keep up with Medicare and all that other red tape? I'll tell you who. Bonnie Dobbs with the Bonnie Dobbs Agency. Bonnie and her team know all the answers when it comes to Medicare and other red tape. They might even help you find benefits you didn't even know you qualified for. Call Bonnie today if you're turning 65, retiring after 65, changing your living location, losing employer or union insurance coverage. Bonnie can help you with all things Medicare. Bonnie Dobbs is a licensed insurance broker who specializes in senior health benefits. There is never a fee for services, and you will never get that high-pressure sales runaround. Call today at 770-373-7541. That's 770-373-7541. And we're back with Quickie Questions. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. Are you a cat person or a dog person? Dog. What's your favorite day of the week? Gosh, I like all of them. Oh. I do. I like every day. Every day. All right. We'll let that one ride then. (laughs) That's your only give me. Okay. That's the only give me, right? Okay. What's your favorite romantic comedy of all time? Oh, gosh. Um, The Notebook. Oh, good one. Yeah. Do you have any stickers on your car? No. None? I don't. I, yes, on purpose. Okay. What's the purpose? Well, I don't want to be associated with any of the stickers if I'm not nice when I'm driving. (laughs) That's the only place I give myself freedom to like, I don't like yell out the window, but sometimes I want to. Yes. What's your biggest guilty pleasure? Uh, Mexican food, like three or four times a week. Mm. What's your favorite food item on the Mexican menu? Uh, So Popo Pollo at uh, Dos Margaritas. Yeah. I love that. Where are you headed on your next vacation? Blue Ridge. No kidding. Yes. Nice. Lake, Lake Blue Ridge, yep. What's your least favorite vegetable to eat? Mm, asparagus. I don't like that. What's one of your hidden talents? Good grief. I don't really, I'm not very talented. I, I love to talk, but that's not hidden. Come on, when you're in your car and you're driving around, don't you sing at the top of your lungs? Occasionally. Beyonce? Oh, I do, yeah, but yeah. I, okay, so singing would, I'm not, yeah. it's not a talent, though. <laughs> Three words to describe your life. Mm. Happy, full, love. Well said. Yeah. My last question is, what's your favorite restaurant in Cherokee County? Well, I have two. Can I say two? I, you already got a gimme. I know. All right, let's hear, the, let's hear the first one. Union Hill Grill. Oh, that is really good. I love their food. And the, the second one? Um, seven Acres. Oh, that's not Cherokee County, though. That's Fulton. So it's Union Hill Grill. Well, there you have it. There we go. We might have to do a fact check on that because I did think Seven Acres was in Cherokee. We'll have to figure that out. We live real close to there, but it's... We'll, we'll fact yes. check it. Do it. But kudos to both of those restaurants. We love them. And thank you again for coming in. Thank you. Good job with your questions. All right. Thanks a lot. It was fun. Enjoy Cherokee Voices and Enjoy Cherokee Magazine are produced by EMI, a nationally recognized award-winning multimedia content producer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For additional information about this and all of our podcasts, visit enjoycherokee.com. If you enjoyed this show, click subscribe and take some time to rate and review the podcast now. It really does help us succeed in the booming world of podcasts. And now, stay tuned for Fun Facts with Katie.
And we're back with Fun Facts with Katie. How you doing, Katie? I'm doing good. What an episode. I know. It, uh, there's so much to process. So many things happened. Um, I did not think I was going to sit down and this conversation was going to start in Romania. That right. Was, that was a complete shock to me. Yeah. So, wow, the things we learned today, I'll tell you. We don't have a lot of facts. I don't think there were a lot of fact checking. I right. The restaurant was something we wanted to make sure we had the right yes. addresses. I have. We absolutely did. So Diane said her favorite restaurant in Cherokee County was the Union Hill Grill. Um, she wasn't sure where it was located, but the address is 5060 Sugar Pike Road. Mm-hmm. So for everybody wanting to go out and try out a new restaurant there's diane's recommendation for you and she also said seven acres she wasn't sure if that was in cherokee or if it was in north fulton we're still not right. sure but the address is yeah the address is 850 hickory flat road um technically the address gives a milton address but may just be right over the line in cherokee county or may still just be right on the cusp but i hear it's that's really another good one food there too, to so. check out yeah great and we wanted to mention the Circle of Friends Coffee Shop is located, as we said, in the Chattahoochee Tech building on Main Street in Woodstock. Yes. The Circle of Friends Coffee Shop hours are Monday through Thursday from 7.30 a.m. until 3.30 p.m. And on Fridays, they're open from 7.30 to 1 p.m. So definitely swing by there on your way to work or if you need an afternoon pick-me-up inside the circuit at One Innovation Way in Woodstock stop in and say hi to Hayden yes another thing Mm -hmm. we wanted to mention was Diane's research she did a dissertation for her doctorate of nursing science if this conversation sparked any interest in all of these subjects for you um, you can actually access Diane's dissertation um, if you just do a quick google search even for her name Um, but it's on the digital commons of Kennesaw State University Um, It's called Enhancing the Well-Being of Older Adults and Young Adults with Developmental Disabilities Through Participation in an Intergenerational Community Garden, a Participatory Action Research. Uh, Her dissertation was let out in 2017. So that's a a mouthful. Yes. Just for the sake of convenience, we're also going to post it on our facebook page yes absolutely so we can a link on our facebook page it'll be linked on diane's episode post you can find that on our instagram and on our facebook enjoy cherokee voices facebook page or www.enjoycherokee.com to find the circle of friends coffee with a purpose article yes i think that's it that's it that's a wrap it's a wrap have a good day y'all have a good day get out there and enjoy cherokee (laughs)